0: What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone.
1: Today we continue our series. Each week has taught us something about ourselves, something about how to grow in our faith. Last week we heard about Israel trapped between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea. When all hope was lost, the people put their faith in God and the Red Sea was parted. We looked at a few different ways to understand that event and ultimately that faith is about Jesus. When we are scared, when we are afraid, and don't see any path forward, trust Jesus. Not that everything will be perfect and exactly as you imagined it, but that our lives can be a means by which God's will is accomplished. Through us, God is changing the world, drawing all people to himself so that all might be blessed. Now we turn our attention to the next step in Moses' journey after the Red Sea. Israel is, is in the desert, struggling with finding food and water, battling the Amalekites uh, with Aaron and Hur, holding up Moses' arms so they can win the battle. Uh, when, and then they reach Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Uh, it is covered in clouds and smoke. Lightning strikes it and thunder shakes it. The voice of God utters forth and the people are terrified. God tells Moses that Israel will be sanctified. They will be set apart as God's people. Carol is going to read for us from Exodus with the story of the people receiving God's law, word for word. Don't miss the end here, where there are a few more verses that speak to the people's reaction to all that is happening. It is not as positive as you might think it would be. This is Exodus 21 through 21. Hear now the word of the Lord.
0: Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of every house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I am your, the Lord your God, and I am a jealous God. Punishing children for the iniquities of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. You shall do not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come only to test you and to put the fear, Moses drew near to the dark, thick
1: darkness where God was. And from Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, make us an inclusive community passionately following Jesus Christ. Change our hearts this day that we might faithfully serve Jesus and find life in its fullness along the way. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I've heard plenty of complaints in my time about laws here in the United States. My brother tells me that his business suffers because he has to get permits from the township for every little bit of construction that he has to do. Uh, I met someone the other day who complained bitterly about the taxes that they have to pay. When I get a parking ticket, I know I'm quick to say that there's a problem that, is, uh, that there's no parking anywhere to be found. That's the only reason that I got the ticket. Some laws can feel pretty random, too. Uh, Maybe you've seen those lists of dumbest state laws. Uh, Here are a few laws I bet we could all complain about. Uh, In Connecticut, it is illegal to dispose of used razor blades. In Utah, it is illegal to not drink milk. And in South Dakota, horses are not allowed into the Fountain Inn unless they are wearing pants. How about that? But I guess some laws can be all right. In Massachusetts, if you go to a funeral, mourners may eat no more than three sandwiches. That sounds like a pretty good rule to me. And I love this one. Uh, The Kansas Gaming Board says it is illegal to use mules to hunt ducks. Also a good rule. Uh, When we turn to the Bible, many people will find in it a list of rules, right? Some good, but also some bad. Plenty of parts of the Bible will tell you things that seem outright ridiculous. A few years back, a man named A.J. Jacobs wrote a book about his year of living biblically. He tried his best to understand the laws of the Bible and apply them not so much literally, but by following the original intent of the rule. You may not know this law in the Bible, but you're not allowed to mix fibers. He wasn't quite sure what the intent was there, but he hired a man anyways to test his clothes to make sure he wasn't mixing any fibers that he shouldn't. He started writing down how he was constantly violating biblical law by all the things he coveted. He came across a 70-year-old man who told him, who confessed, that he was an adulterer. So A.J. took some pebbles out of his pocket and started throwing them at the man to follow through on the commandment to stone adulterers. It did not end well. He tried to figure out how he, how much he should tithe, how much money he needed to give to the church, and when he went to a priest, the priest acknowledged there is no prescribed amount. The only determination he made was that giving should feel like a sacrifice aj also confessed that even though the bible says you must murder those who practice magic he simply would not be following through on that law good laws and bad even in the bible we find laws that make no sense but what about the ten commandments are they good laws or are they bad The Ten Commandments are actually very different from most laws of its time. Most laws were a list of punishments for a range of offenses. If you do this, then you pay a fine or you lose a finger, for example. Uh, Instead, Moses receives from God what are known as apodictic laws. These are laws that are logically certain. Two plus two equals four. It is beyond dispute. We know that murder is bad that lying hurts people, and that if you don't take a Sabbath rest, you are going to burn out. What really worried Israel was not whether the rules of the Ten Commandments were good or bad. What worried them was that they might die just from hearing them. Remember how the mountain was smoking and burning? That's when they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. The people were too scared of God to even hear what God had to say. They wanted Moses to act as a middleman to protect them. Whatever Moses said, they would just do it, as long as they didn't have to face God directly. Now, on some level, this makes sense. I imagine for most of us, the natural reaction to being around God would probably be fear. The description of what is happening at the top of this mountain is pretty intense. Some scholars think the situation being described here is an active volcano. Smoke, fire, lightning. I think I'd be pretty scared in that situation too. But what the Ten Commandments teach us is bigger than the situation or even the laws listed in them. These aren't just rules. This is actually a treaty. An agreement being worked out between God and God's people. God is establishing what the boundaries of behavior are so that the people can accept it and be connected with God. We have a word for this kind of an agreement. We call it a covenant. God offers a connection, but the people, they recoil in fear. They are worried that being... Moses responds to this. He tells the people not to be afraid. He says, God is just testing you. And then the people, they stay back, they keep their distance, and Moses draws near to the thick darkness. Where others draw back, Moses jumps in. He is not afraid to be in the presence of God. Sometimes rules can make us think we are unworthy of others or unworthy of God. You might look at the laws of the Ten Commandments and say, I can't follow all those rules perfectly. I need to stay away from God. I read a list of this week's funny tweets from parents, and one said, My son hates it when I call him a liar, especially when he is lying. Uh, Who hasn't, though, lied at some point and been upset when they got caught in it? Or maybe you think because people can't follow these laws, it shows how messed up our thinking about God is. When we break the law, we deserve punishment. Why would we want a cosmic judge scrutinizing every detail of our lives? I get it. We lie. We we covet. We talk back to our parents. We work on Sunday. And even though that isn't quite what any of those commitments actually mean, it's usually enough for us to feel like we are failures. Like we aren't worthy of God, like we're coming up short. Or at the least, we reject God first because of how ridiculous those rules seem to us. Maybe, though, that's not really the point of these laws. Maybe something else is going on here. There was an experiment years ago at a children's playground. They built a new playground with no border, no fencing, and they noticed all the children playing in the very middle of the playground then they built a fence around the playground and what do you know kids came right up to the very edge of the fenced in space the boundary helped them feel safe to know what was okay and what was not okay I think something similar is true with the law too. the law simply sets up the boundaries for a covenant to connect us with God It's not about never sinning. It's not about being perfect. It's an agreement to connect us with God. Almost a thousand years later, Jesus would be asked, what is the most important commandment? And he didn't name the 10 commandments. He didn't even give a summary version of them either, which was very common in that time. He named only two things, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. These two things are the whole summary of God's law. The law isn't a list of do's and don'ts. The law is love. The law is relationship. The only thing that separates followers of Jesus from everyone else is a commitment to the covenant. If you want in, God says you're in, no matter what your past, no matter the laws, both good or bad, that you may have broken. So, so let me end with this. I recently met with someone from our church who lost their husband. And as you can imagine, his death left an incredible hole in the life of uh, the friends and family and of her. And our conversation revealed how challenging this season has been in her life. And how the wound is still very raw. The pain very quick to come to the surface. Just being in the same home where they spent so many years together can cause heartache. So I asked her, do you feel like you need to leave to be away from this place with so many memories? And her response was very telling. She said, I am a guardian of his kingdom. We talked more about what that meant and how she could honor the legacy of this man who did so much good, often quietly without drawing any attention to himself. What she shared was so inspirational. He was a man that loved his family and friends fully. He would do just about anything to help the poor and the needy. His deep faith led to deep love for all those around him, whether he knew them personally or not. And she is the guardian of his kingdom, of the legacy he left behind. That sounds to me like someone who loves the way that God loves us. You don't have a loving relationship with your spouse for 50 years because you have good rules in place. Although knowing the boundaries can certainly help. No, it happens because love is at the center of everything someone does for their spouse love god and love your neighbor that's how you connect with god that's how you covenant with god and that's how you love others as god loves us it's not about the law the only law is love i want to invite you to live like moses did not fearfully of the law of entering god's presence but walking straight into that thick darkness on that mountain we may not know what's on the other side of that darkness, but we do know that there, that is where we'll find God's commitment to us, God's eternal love for us. Live to help uh, God's people find success and to lead good lives. Live as Jesus would, clarifying for us the purpose of the law. It's not for our own benefit, but to learn how to live with love at the center of everything you do. As beautiful as the Ten Commandments may be, the law for all of us is to love God and our neighbor. Amen.
0: For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.